Welcome to the Connecticut Criminal Law Podcast, brought to you by Ruane Attorneys. The answers you need, the privacy you deserve. Each season tackles a different area of criminal law. Now, to your host, Jay Ruane. Hi, I'm Brittany Paz, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of the Connecticut Criminal Law Podcast, The Most Commonly Asked Questions. In my time as a criminal defense attorney, I have come across many of the same questions from clients. As someone who deals with sex crimes, there are even more specific questions that my clients oftentimes ask. Let's get started. Question number one, does arrest mean that I will never see my kids again? The answer is no. Even after an arrest, you're entitled to a reasonable bail. When it is posted, you are free again until trial or sentencing. However, judges often impose conditions of bail to limit access to minor children. Your lawyer will argue that visitation should continue, at least in the presence of a neutral third party or a social worker from the Department of Children and Families. Depending on the allegations, cooperation with DCF is recommended and sometimes can result in favorable action in criminal court regarding protective order modifications. If the judge enters a criminal protective order, such an order can restrict access to your children. Therefore, it is crucial that your lawyer argue for some visitation, however restricted it may be. Question number two, will I definitely go to jail? The truth is that no one can predict what the outcome of any case will be. That is why it is important to prepare your case thoroughly to present the best defense. Under Connecticut law, a plea agreement with the state can limit the range of penalties and can provide for a probation rather than jail. If you do enter a plea agreement, the judge can either accept the agreement and impose the sentence, or the judge can reject the agreement. If the agreement is rejected, your prior plea of not guilty is restored. Question number three, how can I prove my innocence? The defense case can be proven in a number of ways. First, you can testify at trial. Second, your defense can try to establish scientific evidence such as blood type or DNA that will exclude you as a suspect. You can also present other evidence regarding the complainant's truthfulness or lack thereof. Witnesses can testify as to your truthfulness or the untruthfulness or motive of the state's witnesses. The range of options is endless and a good attorney can help you prove your innocence. Question number four, how can anyone believe the complaining witness? In these types of cases, the complaining witnesses start out as believable, and it is up to the defense to show that the witnesses are incorrect. You should expect that all social workers and law enforcement officers will assume the truth of the allegations. The concept that a person will never lie about matters of sex runs deeply in our society. It is the job of the defense to educate the court and the jurors that this is not always the case. Question number five. What do I do until the trial starts? You can try to regain the orderly process of your life as soon as possible, as hard as that may be. Walking around with the look of a depressed and saddened person may lead others to view you as guilty of the charges. Even though you feel totally helpless and confused, you must try to regain your composure and confidence. If you're able to do so, others who see you will have a second thought as to whether or not to believe the allegations. If you look guilty, people will believe that you are guilty of the accusations. Question number six, can I sue the police and or the witness after this is over? The truth is now is not the time to think of such things. Concentrate on winning the case. You're not going to successfully sue anybody if you lose the case. Question number seven, if I'm also getting a divorce, should I answer any questions during the divorce case? 
This calls for a coordinated effort between your criminal defense lawyer and your divorce lawyer. Ideally, they are two separate people. No one can answer this question in a vacuum except, except to say that a strong denial can only be based on a well-prepared defense. Question number eight, if I pass the lie detector test, will they throw the case out? The answer is not necessarily. Under Stevie Porter, polygraph evidence is not admissible before a jury. However, successful lie detector results can be useful in plea bargaining and may lead the state to question its witnesses further. It remains to be seen if polygraph results will become admissible when the trial is to a judge and not to a jury. Question number nine, do I say anything to the press? The defense bar is split on the wisdom of commenting to the press on a pending criminal case. Certainly saying nothing can add to the state's evidence against you. However, those people in the community who do not believe the allegations against you might be looking for a firm statement on your behalf. No one can make a general statement as to the wisdom of speaking to the press in any particular case. However, it should be considered by you and discussed with your counsel before a decision is made. These are some of the most common questions that I hear from clients, but they are certainly not the only ones. If you still have questions, feel free to contact my office. I'm happy to answer any remaining questions. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Criminal Law Podcast. For more information or to get a free consultation for your criminal law questions, visit us at RuaneAttorneys.com or call or text 203-925-9200.